Jordan. Ian. Who became an astronaut, tried to show off by handbrake turning the rocket, crashed, and now lives with his Martian wife, Hashrakaza. Robbie Williams? No. Two guys. What? And welcome to episode 21 of Two Guys What's Up, the weekly comedy podcast where two old enemies get together and discuss their common love of the strange and paranormal. My name is Ian, and I am, as ever, joined by the man voted sexiest magician three years running by Magical Nipples magazine, Jordan! (laughs) Jordan, how are you? Uh, I'm really good. I'm finally 100% in health, so no one has to worry about hearing me complain about my ailments. Thank God. God. I feel so good that I could do a backflip, but I'm not going to. Yeah, I think we'll leave that there in last week's episode because that was quite damaging. I've only just got out of the hospital. <laughs> you still look the same, though. <laughs> yeah, they couldn't fix my face. Just as deformed. <laughs> anyway, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right. Uh, I've had quite an eventful week, to be honest. Oh, go on. Maybe a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about gut feelings. Yes, that's right. Right, so I was taking my youngest to his grandparents as they were babysitting for the day as I was off to work and my wife was out and I got to the top of the street across from my road and I started walking down towards my parents' house and about 100 yards away from me at the bottom of the hill a dog rounded the corner and started running up towards us. Right. So my son was holding my hand and walking beside me and I thought, oh hey, a dog! You know, prime example as I normally do you know, if I see something I point it out to my son to try and help him sort of learn to talk and all that sort of stuff and I was like, oh look, a doggy! Yeah. And Jordan, you'll know, whenever I normally see a dog I literally go hands first I'm like, I'm going to stroke that good boy right there you know i love dogs unless it's my dog which just cowers yeah he won't let me get anywhere near him (laughs) must have heard the stories (laughs) (laughs) that's you you're the one that sells them So this dog started running towards us and I was like, hey, a doggy, nice one. I'm going to stroke this dog. And then for some reason, completely out of nowhere, I just all of a sudden got this thought, I should probably pick my son up. Right. And I didn't have any sort of like inclination that it was going to do anything or that it was a violent dog or anything like that. But something just came over me and I was like, pick your son up. So I picked him up, put my hand in my pocket so it wasn't biteable, essentially. Yeah. And this dog ran up to us. And this is the first time this has ever happened to me. But it started barking at me, jumping up at me and biting at the bag I was wearing. That's weird. You could say it's a gut feeling exactly yeah i thought it was a prime example so i thought i better share it but it was very strange and i I didn't know what to do when i was walking and i thought i'm just gonna have to keep walking because there's nowhere to go so i'm just gonna have to keep going until i find the owner or like a place i can get away from this dog that was just snapping at me yeah so was this owner nowhere to be seen at this point i could not see him anywhere at all but then oddly enough a guy got out of the car to my right across the road from me and was oh come here you sorry mate she don't bite and i was like well yeah she just did bite me (laughs) but yeah so this guy was like oh sorry but he was in the car about two meters away from me and this dog came bounding up the road from about 100 150 yards away from me oh it was very strange so he wasn't watching the dog i don't know if he didn't know it was loose or what or not but it was very strange and now a and e is filled with casualties yeah one of them's got a dog attached to them I mean, that's not responsible parenting there. What, from me? (laughs) I thought I did quite well, to be honest. Doggy parenting. Have you thought? Is this some sort of correlation? Have you changed in some way that now dogs really dislike you? Yeah, there's been like a polar switch. And now cats love me, dogs hate me. (laughs) It's a shame because you're allergic to cats. (laughs) 
And did you say there was something else? Yeah, so as I got over this dog attack, I walked to my parents, I dropped off the little one, and my parents told me a strange story that happened to my mum. Right. My mum was going to make a coffee, and they've got one of those coffee pod machines. Yes. And they keep their pods in a cupboard below their waist level, and the pods are in a shelf that are about their shin level. Okay. And I bring that up specifically because my mum opened the cupboard, she knelt down to get a coffee pod out of the box, and a coffee pod came from her right above her head and landed next to her. So where it's not even stored. Exactly. So it's like it had been thrown and there was nothing to her right. So to her right is a sink. Ooh. Do you reckon it was your granddad saying, make me a coffee? Yeah, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I know you can't cook, but at least you can do is make us a coffee. (laughs) That's very weird. Yeah. Yeah, super strange. Was she on her own at this point? She was, yeah. I think my dad was uh, elsewhere in the house, but yeah, she was in the kitchen on her own making a coffee. So super strange. Did it happen to be a pod that she needed? (laughs) I couldn't tell you. I didn't ask, to be honest, but that would have been helpful i guess yeah how weird very bizarre it reminded me of when we were talking about juts do you remember oh yeah just one of those things because in a lot of them stories you'll hear somebody for example in a story i heard a a while ago so just off the top of my head they were like throwing an apple up in the air just like throwing it like arbitrarily just throwing it and catching it like they're about to eat as they were talking to someone was this william tell (laughs) just trying to get it to land on that guy's head (laughs) but uh yeah so they were throwing this apple and then they, they threw it up once and it just didn't come back down what and they couldn't find it anywhere and they looked, you know, everywhere. They didn't hear it drop. It just disappeared. And then about 10 years later, they were at their dinner table having dinner. And all of a sudden, that apple just fell from the sky, like fell from nowhere. Now, if that is true, there is no way to explain that. Absolutely. Yeah. But again, you know, how can we verify it really? But it is, it is a strange story. That just kind of reminded me of what happened to my mum. So I did ask her, I was like, have you lost one recently? Like, have you misplaced a coffee pod? Like you put one down, you go get a spoon or something, you come back and it's gone. Right. Yeah. Like, is it one of those things? And, and she couldn't quite think because i guess why would you note that in your memory bank but just super strange just one of those weird things that's happened yeah super weird how bizarre daddy, daddy. i might get them on you know, to do a little bit of a story corner i'd love that story with the parents gather around listen oh to them. you'd finally hear the real ian's dad <laughs> <laughs> yes unless you just overdub all his voice as your own <laughs> yes i would do i totally would do that that'd be brilliant <laughs> your dad's like uh, you say to him have you had any experiences dad uh yeah uh, quite a few and then you just go <laughs> yeah fucking shit loads like a fucking ton paul <laughs> imagine though like it'd be horrible like my dad was like uh it was a really sad time you know when i was about 10 i lost my dog and then i overdub it ah fucking hell when i was a bit dead i lost me wee pal pet doggy <laughs> like just completely ruin the mood that'd be so good your poor dad but yeah please if they're up for it that would be so nice i highly doubt they would be but they listen to this so you know anyway what are we actually doing today in today so i am going to be telling you jordan the story of one man's incredible nde nde what's that mean an nde stands for near-death experience oh okay i've heard of those you've heard of those yeah just not the acronym what are you going to be going into i'm going to be going into one man's experience with an nde what's one of them um i don't know it's some sort of acronym (laughs) (laughs) no today i'm going to be going through some useless facts and trivia in a segment i like to call did you know fantastic and honestly it's full of useless information but i think everyone's going to get a kick out of it brilliant i absolutely love that kind of stuff i absolutely love this kind of stuff and um i actually watch a lot of youtube channels which have videos like five minutes of useless facts so okay so you might have heard all of these if i start (laughs) snoring halfway through just ignore me i normally do anyway (laughs) i've noticed Who was that? <laughs> I'll try and test you on something a little bit later. So, oh, yeah, it's like what I was saying in my story. What was that? Did you say something? NDE, what's that? 
Was there a story? All I heard was, hey, welcome to Two Guys, what's up? My name's Ian. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. I think we'd better crack into it, hadn't we? I think we probably should. I think it's going to be a lengthy one today. And I've got dishes to do. <laughs> it's not a segment, don't worry, everybody. <laughs> This is the sound of me doing dishes. I've got me marigolds on. <laughs> what are those channels where they do sounds like scratching mics and... ASMR. That's the one. I was thinking ASDF, but that's a totally different thing. <laughs> Smashing. Right, so cracking on into it. So a gentleman by the name of Howard Storm claims to have had an incredible experience. And I, Jordan, would love to hear your take on this story that he firmly believes is true and exactly what he went through. Bullshit. Don't believe it. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Howard Storm, born on October 26th, 1946, is an American Christian minister, writer, painter, and former professor and chairman of the art department of Northern Kentucky University. On June 1st, 1985, while working as a college professor, he was leading an art tour through Europe with his students and his wife. Okay. While in Paris, on the very last day of the trip, he suffered a rupture in his stomach. This was a very grave situation as he was told that he would very quickly become septic and apparently doctors told him after the fact that they usually give a life expectancy of five hours living with this condition oh wow he said he was suffering in great pain as i'm sure you can imagine but his wife at the hotel got him a doctor and he was told that he would have to have surgery straight away the pain was getting worse for howard and when he reached the emergency room he was very quickly seen to and told that he needed surgery straight away so off to surgery he went he was told to wait patiently for a surgeon to arrive poor guy yeah absolutely in a horrible situation but get this because of the day of the week being a saturday there were no bloody surgeons around oh yeah because no one requires surgery on a saturday <laughs> well he says that in paris apparently during the summer everyone tries to escape the town <laughs> because there's no surgeons <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in case they have a problem better not have an issue today there's no surgeons on saturday better just cross over the border somewhere and just like try and get a hospital bed <laughs> i'll go to spain <laughs> it's like you know when people go on holiday they put towels on sunbeds yes to yeah. reserve it like people go and like just put a loved one on a hospital bed just to reserve it just in case they need surgery just leaving you there grandma we'll see you soon you're a little bit ill so this is just in case you need surgery we're coming back we're coming back if you're alive tomorrow we'll be back don't worry <laughs> if you're not alive well nice knowing you <laughs> yeah the will's in, in place yeah, yeah? <laughs> there he is sat there in absolute pain told that there's no surgeons around he was given no drugs or pain relief despite begging for them which he says he loves bringing up whenever anyone tries to play smart by saying that his experience was just a drug-induced hallucination because he had none at all. There were no drugs in his system. Right. So it wasn't the fact that he was just like high off his ass seeing things, if that makes sense. So the poor guy, after around 10 hours living with this, he felt that he was dying. He felt that his breathing was becoming laboured and he thought to himself, if I stop breathing, I'm dead which is generally the case, I can imagine, <laughs> let's be honest. Also, he's double the life expectancy at this point, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's done well. He's done really well. It's a shame they still didn't bring any surgeons in. But he said it was such a task to inhale and exhale that he really honestly could feel like he could give up at any point. So at this point in his life, he was an atheist. So naturally, he thought that death scared him. So he battled on. I mean, that's one way to do it. So at 8.30 that night, bearing in mind this whole saga began at 11am, a nurse came in and told him that no surgeons were still available but they were trying to get someone
someone to come through for the Sunday. And upon hearing this, he thought to himself, well, that's it, I'm fucked, I'm dead. He kind of just gave up. The pain became too much. His breathing was so difficult, he just accepted that his death was unfortunately imminent. Have they still not administered any pain relief? They haven't, and I don't know why they did. Oh, that was it. The reason he said that he couldn't get any pain relief is because in Paris, the nurses have to get consent from the doctors to administer it, and there wasn't any doctors. That seems awfully negligent. Surely there's a telephone. I would have thought as much. At least a fax for crying out loud. A carrier pigeon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, madness. Poor guy. Such pain. What's that? Ten and a half hours. That's awful. I hope he sued the hospital after that. Uh, Unfortunately, it's just the way things were, apparently. Actually, to be fair, he's a nice guy now. You'll see why, so he probably wouldn't sue them, but we'll get to that. Okay. (laughs) So upon coming to this realisation, he kind of just had a strange acceptance about it. He understood it. He told his wife he loved her, asked her to tell his parents and siblings the same thing. He gave up, he slipped into a coma, and he died. Well, this is a happy ending. Well, the story's not over, my dear friend. I'm guessing is this because of the NDE? (laughs) Exactly. You got it. You remembered. You've answered the listening. What does that mean again? No drugs administered. (laughs) Administered. Administered, yeah. (laughs) Maybe it's no drugs in existence. Now I've got to think of a a good... (laughs) No drugs around. Wasn't it like non-disclosure agreement what you're saying there? Oh, wait, yeah. (laughs) Maybe that's what he signed. Maybe, possibly. Anyway, moving up. Just then, as he died, he then found himself standing next to his bed and he felt great. He felt hyper aware. All his senses were like tip top condition. He looked at the bed, saw a figure laying there and he said it looked just like him, but he was confused by the fact that he was stood there and he refused to believe he was dead. Mm. So at this point, he turned around, tried to speak to his wife. She didn't respond, obviously, and this made him angry. He literally thought that she was giving him the silent treatment. He said in an interview that whenever his wife was angry with him, she'd just ignore him and give him the silent treatment. So he thought that she was angry, that he was putting her through this, so she was just ignoring him. Bitch. Yep. No. <laughs> That only just clicked. So he got a bit angry. He turned to his roommate, who was another patient in the same room. He tried to speak to him and also got no response. Okay. So then he starts to hear, bizarrely, people calling his name from outside the hospital room. Right. He thought this was strange because they were calling his name in English. And he was confused by this because they were in Paris, obviously, and he hadn't heard anyone speak English so far. They were saying things like, come on, hurry up, it's time. And come on, man, let's go. Come on, pal, come out here. So he went out and noticed a group of people. He didn't know who they were and he said they looked almost blurry. He tried saying he was sick and he was waiting for a surgeon, but they responded, yeah, man, yeah, it's cool. We know, we've been waiting for you. Come on, guy, come with us. So obviously he didn't really understand he's dead, but he thinks that these people in the hallway are doctors and that they were there for him. But he said as he was leaving his room to go with them, he had a really bad feeling about leaving his wife and the room. He said these figures were tall, dark and hazy, but he did indeed go with them because he thought he would be coming back and he thought they were just surgeons. So he thought, why shouldn't I go with them? So he did. I suppose your only chance of potential help at this point, you're thinking. Yeah, I mean, you're thinking, I'm in this pain, I'm dying, there's these people... I mean, I guess you'd be happier because you'd have people that speak English because then maybe they could speak French. So I guess your first instinct would just be to go with them for whatever reason. Yeah. So he entered the hallway with them. At this point, the figures circled around him and started escorting him down the corridor. But it just kept going. He said it felt like days that he was walking for. It was a featureless hall. The atmosphere was getting darker and heavier, more humid, and more and more people were joining them along the way. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, so things are getting pretty grim. So it's not a conga he was hoping for. No. <laughs> He said as they were walking along, he kept asking them, how far is it away? We've been walking for ages. He said he didn't remember the corridor taking a week to walk from end to end. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm back in Britain for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah. But every time he asked a question, they tell him to shut up. Like they were just bullying him. They're saying, don't talk, you'll find out. You know, like really sort of ominous. Oh, right. Eventually, he found himself in complete darkness and these figures had gone. No, they hadn't gone. They had gone from being bullies to now talking to each other, saying things like, don't scare him and don't say too much. At this point, he was like, you know what? Fuck this, man. I ain't going any further with you guys. I'm off back, which he admits was a lie because he didn't really know where he was or how to get back at all. He was just in darkness. So he was just trying to assert some kind of dominance and just be like, you know what? Screw you guys. I'm not going with you anymore. Yeah, yeah. They obviously didn't like the sound of this and said that he had to continue and started physically pushing him. He tried his hardest to fight back, but he's still thinking at this point that they were hospital workers. Right. So naturally, as any person that has ever been to a hospital will know, if you don't go somewhere that you are asked politely to go to, you start getting beaten. Yeah, yeah. Things have changed since I was young. <laughs> when was the last time you were in a hospital, Jordan? Um, I did go to A&E about a year and a bit ago. Did you get punched in the face? Yes. And that was only the receptionist. <laughs> Take a seat. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting well, Larry. <laughs> Would you like to come over this way, Jordan? I can't walk. My foot hurts. (laughs) Now my head hurts as well. (laughs) Yeah, but your foot doesn't anymore, does it? Medicine Ah. is fine. (laughs) I guess they're just trying to let you get your money's worth. You know, if you're in a hospital, you may as well have as many things treated while you're there. Yeah, I don't think it means have as many extra ailments as you can before you get treated. Imagine if that was a thing, like people walking up to where you need, like with a splinter, and they were like, oh, if I'm going in here, I may as well get my money's worth, like start breaking the legs, you know. <laughs> Running headfirst into walls. I might get a two for one here. <laughs> oh, bloody hell, I can't go in with just this. Here, wife, get that knuckle duster off floor and smack me around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, I forgot my hospital coupon. <laughs> yeah, so you've done all these things to yourself and you can't even get them treated now. <laughs> I'll have to go private. (laughs) Okay, so back to the story. So it got to the point where these buggers started biting, scratching and punching him and their numbers grew and they were all attacking him. (laughs) Right. After the fact, looking back, he thinks he was in hell. His theory of hell that he came out with a little bit after isn't the fact that God punishes people, but that people go away from God, go to their own place and make it hellish. Ah. So they live with no law and they only then exist to be the dominant one and everyone just tries to impose over everyone else. Okay, so it's like trying to always be the top dog kind of thing yeah yeah so like he says that people like die as atheists and they're like you know gotta be like you didn't want me in your life kind of thing so if you don't want me then piss off kind of thing so they go they're like all right yeah well i'll just go over here and i'll live over here and then everyone else is like trying to steal the stuff and like beat them up so then they have to then be the one who is the one that steals stuff and beats people up and then everyone's just trying to always steal stuff and beat people up yeah it's like the purge exactly yeah yeah how weird that's a very interesting take on hell yeah yeah I mean, kind of figures. They create their own hell. Interesting. Yeah. Can you not just lock yourself in a cupboard? Uh, I'm not sure there are any cupboards. Oh. You didn't mention any cupboards. <laughs> just long corridors. Yeah, just real long corridors. I tell you what, it's a bloody good job he didn't have a broken leg. Very true, yeah. It have taken him ages. <laughs> Imagine crawling that distance. <laughs> Actually, no, to be fair, he said when he died, he felt fine. Yeah, I was going to ask you. I wonder if he still felt pain. No, yeah, no, he said all, all pain was gone. He was all good. Like, he was like super tip-top condition. Oh, he should have just gone home. (laughs) He didn't need to wait for anyone now, did he? Yeah, absolutely fine, yeah. So there he was, in this place with all these buggers, when all of a sudden, he heard a voice come out of his chest saying, 
pray to God. He was reluctant at first, saying he didn't know how to pray, but again the voice said, Oh, you f***ing Jeb, pray! So he said at this point he tried to remember prayers from when he was a child and blurted out what little he could remember, and when he did, the buggers who surrounded him got even more angry, shouting, There is no God! He can't hear you! It's gonna get much worse if you don't stop! But he found that with every mention of the word God, it drove the little f***ers further back from him. Uh. The voice in his chest he later thought was his childhood memories coming out. So like when he was in, in bed as a child and he'd like hear a creak and he'd think it was a, a monster or something, you know, he'd, he'd pray and that would help him. So that's the sort of thing that's coming through, coming out of him now. Yes. So he's in this horrible situation, so his, his inner childhood's going, PRAY YOU bag. <laughs> it was a gut feeling. <laughs> it was chest feeling. So after some time, he prayed the buggers away and he found himself alone. He reflected on his life and relationships and he thought that he'd lived his life wrong and where he was was where he deserved to be. He felt himself thinking that he should have been the better ball bag of all the ball bags surrounding him. He was getting angry and wanted to beat them all. But just then, as he was thinking this, he remembered a song that he used to sing as a child in Sunday school and he thought, f*** it, I'm going all in. And he shouted, Jesus, save me. And to his surprise, when he did that, and then, <laughs> don't, don't laugh. Oh, sorry, I thought you were going to say, say, Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> so when he did, an intense light appeared, and from this light stretched a pair of hands and reached to him, touched him, which lit him up, and he could see all the damage that had been inflicted by these hostile worker wannabes. Right. But all of that melted away, and he became whole again. He was lifted and hugged while Howard cried in happiness, and who do you think pulled our pal out of this darkness, Jordan? God. It was none other than Jesus himself. Was it? That's nice of him. He lifted Howard up, they floated up, and he saw that he was headed towards heaven itself. He felt a bit shit within himself that he had indeed ridiculed the thought of heaven and Jesus and God all of his life, and here he was on a one-way VIP Jesus-guided trip straight to the pearly gates. <laughs> very nice of Jesus to take his time out of his day to help Howard. Absolutely, yeah. Very nice, very nice. He was thinking to himself all the while that he didn't belong there, and at that, he received a telepathic message from Jesus saying, You do belong here. We don't make mistakes. Did he not talk? Apparently not. I would like to take a little moment here, though, to point out some similarities between this gentleman's experience and alien abduction encounters. Right. You know, the, the bright light, the, the lifting up, the telepathic communication, the uh, friendly feelings kind of thing. They all have long hair and big black eyes. <laughs> That's not what I was going for there, Jordan. <laughs> okay, all right. So here he was. They were outside heaven, and Jesus said, hey, let's meet some peeps. <laughs> and they met some angels, and they gave him a life review from his birth to his death. He saw his life and where he'd gone wrong. He learned some lessons so he was given the opportunity to ask some questions and when all that was done he said he wanted to go to heaven and jesus was like nah mate <laughs> and howard argued with jesus i remind you he argued but jesus said look mate just go back and try and be good this time okay that's understanding of him yeah yeah it was slammed back into his body and it was 9 p.m so all this had taken place in half an hour wow but he was walking for weeks down that hallway exactly yeah well that's you know afterlife time <laughs> <laughs> Just as he got slammed into his body, he heard a nurse walk into the room and say that a surgeon had arrived. He was taken to the OR and had that surgery at 10pm. I'm guessing now he's, at this point, writhing in pain still. He'll have, like, another half an hour's worth piled on top. Poor guy. So the memory was still present after he returned, and after his surgery, after remembering everything and trying to think of a way to tell his wife about it, trying to put it all into words, all he could muster was, it's all love. Was she still ignoring him at this point? No, I think she'd, um, I think she'd gotten over that little, Okay. Indiscretion. She was, she was happy again, yeah. I think the whole 
not actually being dead and having the surgery and being alive was was quite a a, a mood changer. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> So he was in hospital for a few months after. All of this time was in the US, but he has since recovered and become an ordained pastor and continues to try to be the best Howard around. That's nice. Happy ending. Absolutely. Very interesting. Super, yeah. It is some food for thought. And I do love the idea that that is what hell is. Uh, That's a very interesting take. It's a pretty cool idea, isn't it? Pretty cool thought. I mean, people can be so destructive. It's true, yeah. If that is the case, you know, you don't want to go towards God in any sort of form or sense. And he's just like, okay, you know, have your wish. But yeah, that concludes the story of Howard. Very interesting story. Yeah, a kind of a sad story because, I mean, ten and a half hours plus of being in absolute agony. Yeah, yeah. That's terrible. Pretty grim, isn't it? I sincerely hope he's still sued. I'm sure even Jesus would have said, yeah, mate, you deserve that win. <laughs> Of that conversation, pal. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Jordan, I want to hear some interesting facts. I want to know if I know them. I want to know if I've heard them. And if I haven't heard them, then I want to learn them. Oh, I love that you're a keen student today. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, I'm a huge lover. <laughs> oh, sorry. Of, of useless facts and trivia. <laughs> so, I've scoured the net in search of useless information that I think we will all get a kick out of. This collection, a varied mixture of unbelievable and surprising yet genuine facts, ranging from fun little tidbits to real brain-hurting territory. We'll start off easy. Nice. Did you know, honey never expires? Have you heard that before? I have heard that before. Apparently also, it's one of the foods that can completely sustain you. Oh, really? Yeah, if you ate only honey. All the maybe nutrients and... Yeah, yeah, like can sustain your body. That's really interesting. But on the other side of that coin, rabbit, if you only ate rabbit, you would die. Ah, because like not enough fat and... Yeah, it's just not gamey enough, I think. It's like, a, it's like a minus calorie kind of thing. You burn off more calories eating it than you do get from it. Oh, so that's what I need to do for weight loss. Yep, eat rabbit. Nice. Rabbit stew. Not the type you find in bedside tables, though. (laughs) That's where I've been going wrong. (laughs) When they said, listen to my gut, it's just vibrating. (laughs) Jordan, Jordan, you're ringing. (laughs) Yeah, so honey has a perfect chemical composition that makes it never spoil. Organisms can't live inside it, meaning there's nothing that can spoil it in the first place. 5,000-year-old honey has been found and, in theory... It's perfectly edible. Wow. does make you wonder, though, why there are expiration dates on honey when you buy it from the supermarket. That's very true. I mean, do they put anything in it? I mean, if you're buying pure honey, you'd assume not. Very weird. Maybe that's something we could Google, why shopping market honey has an expiry date. Well, luckily for you, I did that. (laughs) Oh, man, check you out. I know. So the expiration dates on commercially sold honey are actually made more as a marker for stores to rotate the newer, fresher stock. So, of course, most honey will sell long before that date needs. Is, but it still begs the question why bother putting a, a date on it at all if it doesn't expire yeah i mean that's only going to make people th- oh there it is money yeah so if you put a sell-by date on it and then people put it in their cupboard and that means they have to bin it if it goes past that date and buy another one yeah there you go fucking people <laughs> money i mean even if the honey goes hard or even if it darkens over time apparently oh, yeah. it's still fine as long as long as the lid is, is tightly sealed you know it's airtight Do you want to know what else gets hard and darkens over time <laughs> you might want to see one of these doctors but don't go on a saturday <laughs> i was talking about treacle jordan okay 
<laughs> hate the stuff. Did you know it is impossible to fold the same sheet of A4 paper in half eight times? I did know that. I was actually thinking about this yesterday, oddly enough. And uh... <laughs> I got to the seventh one. I thought this is bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> no, there, there's a ridiculously interesting fact that I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's like if you could fold a piece of paper a certain amount of times, it would reach the moon. Yeah, I've heard that. So there's a similar thing that I've got here. It's explained that this is because the effects of geometric growth. So that means in theory, 26 folds, if it was possible, mm. uh, would make the paper thicker than the height of Mount Everest. No way. Yeah, but I mean, it's just not possible. So there you go. It's still in... I don't believe it. <laughs> See, this is the thing. Uh, there's been calculations made on this. I don't have them, but I can't wrap my mind around it. Okay, right. It's just so weird. Let's try and figure out a different way. A piece of paper is, what, one millimetre thick? Yeah, maybe if that. Okay, so double that, you've got two millimetres. That's yeah. two folds. Yeah. Three folds is four. But, uh, but don't forget, because every time you're doubling it, you're, you're halving the paper. So it's not just doubling. It, it's that times itself again, isn't it? Oh, it's double doubling, because it's also got the other side as well. Exactly. Uh, I still don't see how one millimetre after 26 could be thousands of feet. Yeah, the height of Mount Everest. Fucking hell. <laughs> well, yeah, I can't imagine it. And I think part of it is because you can't physically do it. But I think if you could, it would be easy to understand. Is this scientist just having a laugh? <laughs> yeah, it's like, no one's going to know. <laughs> yeah, no one's ever going to find out. So it's like, if you could throw your own toe at the moon from Earth, it would implode into a black hole. Like, that's a scientific <laughs> fact. Because no one's ever going to be able to do it. It's such a shame that they're not putting all this effort into cancer research. Yeah, it was just a group of scientists just having a laugh, coming up with stupid facts. <laughs> uh, I've got a good one. Trying to write all these things down. He's like, I wonder if I folded that paper 26 times out. all that'll be. <laughs> I've got a good idea. Let's, um, let's say the Earth is round. That's a well good one. <laughs> I don't believe it. Let's invent this thing called NASA. <laughs> But speaking of paper, did you know that calculations suggest that 136 billion sheets of A4 paper would be needed to print out the entire World Wide Web? How many pages? 136 billion sheets. Bloody hell, is that back and front? I mean, I'm hoping I'm not paying for them, to be totally honest with you. Is that including references? I, I guess so, the entire World Wide Web. Yeah, but then you'd have to then reference where you got them websites from, so it'd be like... Double. Maybe. Oh, we're not going there again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a scientist now, Jordan. I make facts. <laughs> if the printouts were piled up, however, the stack would be taller than the height of the Earth. Wow. That's pretty tall. 136 billion sheets of paper. That I can believe. Okay. <laughs> Glad you're finally on board. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here now. And did you know that the equivalent of just one teaspoon worth of a neutron star is equal to the weight of about 900 pyramids of Giza? Mouser. And just for reference, the Pyramid of Giza weighs approximately 13 billion pounds, which is just over 5 billion kilo. This, these are numbers are numbers that I can't even fathom. Exactly. My puny mind cannot wrap my head around these kind of figures. Speaking of uh, Pyramid of Giza, mm. oddly enough, you've just reminded me of a segment that I'm going to be doing that I think I might do next week. Oh, okay. Which is all about odd measurements of the pyramids and things like that. Oh, okay. Would you like a, a super quick example? Yeah, go on. Right, so here's one for you, Jordan. Okay. The Great Pyramid is aligned to true north with a deviation of only 360th of a degree. This remarkable level of accuracy suggests that the builders 
builders of the pyramids had a sophisticated understanding of astronomy and mathematics. Yeah, for it to be that close, that is crazy. I mean, we probably couldn't even do that today. That's one of the lesser ones. I mean, it's absolutely insane, some of these measurements, I'm going to be telling you. It's like all to do with pi and the distance of, of like all the points and the measurements and what they're related to. It's insane, but that's uh, for another week. So I'll shut up and I'll let you continue. <laughs> there is a theory, isn't there, as well, about how the pyramids were potentially there to generate electricity. There is indeed, yeah, because it did used to be covered in like a foil with a, with a golden cap. Ah, okay. Very interesting. Super. I'd love to really Snug know the one. answer to all these. Oh. Yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, on the topic of pyramids, this next one does just blow my mind because it, it totally goes against how I perceive the concept of time. Mm-hmm. So, did you know Cleopatra lived closer to the time when Pizza Hut chain was founded than to when the Egyptian pyramids were actually built? <laughs> I have heard that one, yeah. The one I heard was iPhone invention. Okay, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I just find it so weird. I think another example of how our idea of time and history and how they can all get mixed up. Mm-hmm. So the Egyptian pyramids at Giza were built around 2500 BCE, mm-hmm. which before the Common Era, whereas Cleopatra VII died in 30 BCE. So there's a gap of more than 2400 years. Mental. So the first Pizza Hut was founded in 1950. So that's 2,000 years from Cleopatra's life. So Crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I just don't get it. <laughs> I think I remember hearing, like, by the time the ancient Egyptians, you know, what we call the ancient Egyptians, started building the pyramids, the pyramids that were already there were ancient to them. Yes, yeah, exactly. Did you know that the typical pencil has enough graphite to draw a line approximately 35 miles long? I did not know that. Yeah, oh, that's about 56 kilometres for uh, any overseas listeners. To put it another way, over 20 times the length of the Golden Gate Bridge. Wow. That's a lot. Although I I would probably argue if you drop that pencil a whole bunch, you're not going to get that much use out of it because that lead's just going to fall right out. Yeah, you were sharpening it all over the place. (laughs) Did you know a chicken can live without a head? Yep, have you ever heard of Mike the Chicken? I was just going to say this, yeah. Yeah. So one chicken in particular lived without a head for 18 months. Chicken brains are concentrated to the back of the skull, and for that reason, a decapitated chicken can survive for quite a while, living off just its nerve endings. The most famous example is, have you just said, Mike the Headless Chicken. Its owner, a farmer named Lloyd Olson, chopped its head off in 1945, but the chicken didn't die. So the family kept him around and dropped food food and water directly into his esophagus. God, grim, isn't it? <laughs> it is a bit. It finally passed away after 18 months and considerable media attention. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> kind of unusual. It's the esophagus bit that gets yeah. me, though. <laughs> Surely that just, you just make you more work for yourself. Like, you know, take a picture or whatever and just be like, this is crazy, but just, you know, finish it off and get on with your job. <laughs> Your family's starving here. Yeah, yeah, but look, a headless chicken. (laughs) Yeah, that was funny like 18 months ago. I don't get it, though. Obviously, it couldn't see or anything. I mean, what an awful life it must have led. And that can't have been comfortable. That must have hurt like hell. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like having an open wound. And it's not like it can just heal. It'd have been running around like a headless chicken. (laughs) I had to say it. (laughs) Quite literally, yeah. (laughs) Maybe that's where that comes from. So this penultimate one is quite a lengthy one, and you may be aware of this, but I think it's one that is a little bit 
head scratchy okay. and definitely counterintuitive. It's more of a paradox. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, yes. It's often referred to as the Monty Hall problem or the three-door problem. Oh, yeah, I think I know this yeah? one. Okay, I'll set the scene for anyone that isn't familiar. Hit me. Let's say that you're on a game show in the 1960s called Let's Make a Deal. You are the participant who is just about to take home a prize. You've done really well so far. But Ian, your prize is behind the choice of three identical doors in front of you aptly numbered one, two, and three. Behind one of the doors is a Chevrolet Corvette Stingray, top Ooh. of the range for 1963. Don't want that. Of course you do. No, no, don't. is there not like a, an oven or something I can have? I mean, you could certainly sell the car and get whatever you want. Too much effort, just give me a toaster. <laughs> Deal! <laughs> Producers in the back going, yeah, go on, nip to Argos. <laughs> so if you pick the correct door, you win the car. However, okay. behind the other two doors are goats. Yeah, <laughs> right. goats. Uh, I'm going to promise you, they're not as comfortable as a ride, I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh, kinky. <laughs> Bear in mind that the host knows which door the car is behind. So, Ian, what door do you choose? One, two, or three? Three is my lucky number. I'll go for number three. Ooh, you're going to go for three. So, let's say that the host goes to open a different door. And well, that no, is door well, number... Stop him. Tell him to f***ing <laughs> do his job. <laughs> no, I no. said three, you twat. <laughs> this is when you get kicked off. Is he drunk or something? <laughs> uh, hold fire one second okay, before sorry. you get all Larry. Sorry, yeah. So that you've chosen three, but the host now goes to open a different door to reveal a goat. And the door that he's just opened is door number two. Right. So you could be on to a winner here, Ian. Mm-hmm. But now the host asks you, Ian, you originally chose door number three. Before you make your final decision, I'm going to give you the chance to change your mind. Would you like to swap and go for the only remaining option? So do you want to swap your original choice and go for door number one? No, I'll stick with three. Okay, fair enough. I mean, most people would. If you use your intuition, most people think, well, I made the initial decision. I know nothing about what's behind the three doors. So the probability that I choose the right one is one in three, which is quite obvious. It's just potluck. Yeah. And then, of course, the host rules out a wrong answer. So the remaining two doors must have one goat and one car. So the win rate is 50-50, no matter whether I switch or not. Absolutely, yeah. Still sensible, right? Definitely. Might as well stick with the original choice, right? Yeah. Wrong! What? The reality is, given the situation, if you switch you actually have a two-thirds chance to win if you don't switch and stick with the original choice you only have a one-third chance of winning essentially you have double your chance to win if you swap and you should always swap and change the door interesting do you understand why i do yep okay great okay perfect but and you know if, if anyone at home doesn't maybe you want to explain it for them yeah i can do oh do you, do you want to explain it ian no I'm, I, you, you know it's your segment i don't want to interrupt you know i, I completely understand it. okay that's fair enough <laughs> i have to admit that the idea of this paradox baffled me for ages but the best way that i can describe why it is the case is because imagine the same scenario but with a hundred numbered doors so you choose a door let's say it's 56 your odds are so heavily not in your favor you have a one in 100 odd of being correct so you could be but you're probably not but if the host knows where the prize is and they open all other doors except for your chosen 56 and for some strange reason also leaves door 22, hmm. well, now if you're given the choice of changing from your original decision of door 56 to swap to 22, is it really still 50-50 odds? I don't know. I mean, obviously it's not. All you've done is add 99 doors. <laughs> But, I mean, logically, it's not really 50-50 because you actually now have a 98 in 100 chance to be correct if you swap your original choice. 
So in, in essence, the more doors, the higher your chance to be correct when you swap. So three doors is the lowest number of doors that you can kind of apply this idea to. Is anyone's head hurting? Nope, you've lost me. <laughs> I just find that paradox completely fascinating. It's so counterintuitive, but it's completely true. The way I remember hearing it be explained is at the beginning, you had one third chance of getting it correct. Yes. So if you eliminate a door... Yeah. So in other words, you had two thirds chance of being wrong, correct? Yeah. So if you eliminate a door... Yeah, you now have two thirds chance of being right as opposed to one third chance of being wrong. So you, you have better odds of if you swap. Exactly. Fascinating stuff, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of an odd one. So I'll leave you with a final one. And this doesn't require anything, so... Oh, thank God. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> and I mentioned this one because it seems appropriate for us as musicians. Well, I say musician and a drummer. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so did you know the oldest flute is 60,000 years old. 60,000? Yes, 60,000. Yet, the earliest indication of humans wearing pants date back just 20,000 years ago. So that indicates an approximate 40,000 year historical period where we had music but no pants. (laughs) (laughs) I want to go back to them times. (laughs) Some things haven't changed for some of us. That sounds like my kind of gig. <laughs> That's why you don't gig very often now. Yeah, I've got kicked out of most places in our hometown for not wearing trousers. It's when you play those primary schools, God. <laughs> and the old folks' home. <laughs> so there you go, a couple of did you knows just to whet your appetite. I mean, there were so many when I was researching for this, and I just couldn't choose my favourite. So I think at some point I'm going to have to relive some more did you knows. Couldn't choose my favourite, so I just did all the shit. Yeah. (laughs) They say, save them wanting more, not expecting more. Never heard that one before. (laughs) Now you have. (laughs) Fashion, yeah, it's uh, lovely. I can't wait to hear some more of those. So next week, if you do like a part two of that and I give you some interesting pyramid facts, then it could just be one big factual episode. Oh, let's do it. Let's do it then. (laughs) No, but next week. I'm getting getting hyped. (laughs) I feel like I've just shotgunned a can of Red Bull. Shotgun to can of Red Bull. Do you not know, you know what that means? No. It's where you where you put a hole at the bottom of the can and you open the top of it and you go, 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 you know drink it. <laughs> there is a ring pull at the top of it. Yeah, no, it's one of those cool ways to drink it. It comes out well fast because the air like pushes it down. You're like glug, 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 dead quick, <laughs> and it goes straight to your brain. And you're just like, yeah, let's do some facts. <laughs> yeah, that's because that's what all the Red Bull drinkers say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, ah, let's do some facts. Come on. Yeah. It does give you wings. So I've heard, so I've heard. Still waiting for mine to kick in. (laughs) Brilliant. Well, I think that about brings us to the end then today, does it? I think that is a good place to leave it. Delightful. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Two Guys What's Up. It's been a fun one, I am sure you will agree. And if you would like to get in touch with us, you have an idea you'd like us to have a little look into, if you'd like to have something read out in a future episode, or even if you just want to say hello, <laughs> you can find all of the links to our socials where you can reach us at twoguyswhatsup.com, which will be linked in the description of this episode for your clickety click clap click clap clap don't forget to follow the show wherever you listen to us so you don't miss another episode and maybe even tell a friend if you're enjoying the show and you're feeling kind then a five star rating and review in our apple podcast app would go a long way to help us out and we would be forever in your thanksness (laughs) but on that note thank you for listening have an amazing week guys and we will catch you next monday bye ciao
You're such a good speech writer. F***ing <laughs> hell, I can't even read today. <laughs>